what's going on quitters it's another episode of don't quit your day job the show where we talk people's creative passions today is september 6 2021 it's been a great weekend i oh did i say who i am i'm your host max mallon i can't remember if i said that that's okay though uh it's been a good weekend i did a guest spot on a show and i bombed the first half of my guest spot but the second half i didn't bomb and that's the first time i've ever saved myself which is incredible so give it up for me guys uh if you're tuning in to listen to this week's guest this is something I'm going to start saying up top. If you like this week's episode, how about you go listen to other episodes? That would be dope. <laughs> but today I got a special guest. He is the brother of reoccurring guest Sasha Didkowski. Everyone, please give it up for musician, drummer, uh, Warhammer fan, <laughs> Leo Didkowski. What's up, fam? How's it going? Thanks for coming on. Yeah, no problem. This is going to be great. Yeah, so Sasha Sasha told me about uh, one of your the bands you're in, Liturgy. And yeah. I, I listened to a couple albums, and I was like, oh, I gotta have him on. I want I want to talk about being in like bands like this, right? But I was like, I need to introduce myself first before I just like cold DM you. <laughs> yeah, formalities. Be yes. like, hey, I heard that you uh play the drums. Do you want to come on a podcast to uh, meet some people you've never met at an apartment you've never been to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm totally down. It's the first time anybody's asked me to talk about my music and stuff, you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> I'm always down. Awesome. So what what um so you're in a bunch of bands right now, right? I'm in like yeah, too many. <laughs> All right, give me the list. Okay, okay. So I'm in um <clears throat> most of them are like semi active. So I'm in Chaodot. That's the first band that I've like really gone on tour with. I'm in Liturgy, as you know. Um Vomit Fist, I'm in. Uh, that's the grindcore band that I'm in with my dad. Uh, <laughs> I'm in a band called Chased, uh, which is like a hardcore band. Uh, I'm in uh, Vixen Maw, which is like a grindcore band. Okay. C- cyber grindy kind of stuff going on. We just had a release, uh, a four-way split, which is really cool. Maybe talk about that later. Um, I have a noise project called Incluse. Um, that's a lot of fun to be in it's a it's a two-man project and we have a couple of tapes out um let me think <laughs> <It's> <laughs> i don't so want to forget already. yeah i don't know how many that was maybe that was like six uh <laughs> yeah i mean um it's it's crazy to be just like always oh i'm in dog date dog date's a good band um <laughs> i'm 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 going on tour with dog date this coming week or this week isn't it monday right now yeah it's monday yeah so i'm going on on tour with them uh this week uh we're playing the knitting factory tomorrow oh nice which is gonna be fun you should come tomorrow oh i've got my i have my own comedy show that day i'm sorry ah no it's okay it's okay <laughs> it's all good we're playing plenty and plenty more shows uh coming up but but i think that's i think that's the that's the that's the big list i think yeah that's it's like there's that's so many but i feel like that's normal for drummers am i right oh absolutely <laughs> absolutely yeah kind of like um kind of like mercenary work you know you're, you're yeah. working for all you know all you're playing all the sides you're uh you're just getting as much work in as you can. So, <laughs> so when what what uh when did your musical journey start? When was, when did you first get into drums? Well, or um, were drums the first instrument? Drums were my first instrument, and um, I I I kind of just was raised into it. Like, okay. my dad's a musician and composer. He's mm-hmm. he's phenomenal. You should check out his stuff. His his um his group, Doctor Nerve, and. Uh, at some point early in my life, um, 
I got a, a, you know, kind of like a small scale drum set. You know how guitars, you can get like a three quarter scale guitar. This yeah. Drum, this drum set was kind of like a three quarter scale drum set. And so that was just kind of hanging around my room and apartment mm-hmm. early in my life. And then uh, around, I guess, fourth grade, um, I must have been like eight or something, um, nine maybe i I, uh around the same time i got into warhammer (laughs) i I started really getting serious about learning drums okay so i started taking drum lessons from my dad's drummer um uh leo siesa who's a phenomenal awesome drummer and he has his own group iconoclast which is phenomenal lots of avant-garde music in my life yeah so that that's sort of where it came like where i was raised through going to shows and stuff like that so what uh we were before you like seriously got into drums were you a tap on the desk kid um i was a very (laughs) physical kid yeah i was very just like i was also doing martial arts around the same time i was just very very um just into like physical activity and Mm. like rigor i guess (laughs) so i think even at a small as a small young child i was very into like um physical cathartic activity so gotcha that might be where it came from so smashing on a drum set gets fills that need (laughs) absolutely i think i think that uh that's that's sort of what draw drew it to me but i would also like to say that's sort of like something that i was like nurtured into okay i i, I grew up listening to heavy music mm-hmm. thanks to my uh my my mom and dad like my whole life pretty much yeah. so you know listening to painkiller mm-hmm. as a small young boy <laughs> you're just like oh my god what is he doing what is that drum what is that drum stuff and that's a that's what happened <laughs> So I'm going to ask you this because I uh, I heard something from Sasha. Did the movie School of Rock have any influence on you? Oh hell yeah! <laughs> I feel like that's sort of that movie kind of like I don't remember when did that movie come out. That movie came out and I was like I was like that the um, Spazzy McGee the drummer was yeah. like the cool badass guy yeah. in the movie. He's like just a cool badass kid, and I was like I like I like that. I want to be <laughs> I want to be a cool badass rebellious kid. So that was sort of my. Um, that that sort of personality uh, kind of intrigued me, and pairing it with drums, kind of like, you know, drums are badass. So yeah, that, I was like, yeah, I want to be. I, I love that. You know. <laughs> so you're learning from one of your dad's friends who's in the same band as him, right? Yeah. How long? How long were you doing lessons with him? I did lessons with him all through uh, through high school. Uh, so from from elementary school to high school, I think maybe. Wow. Yeah. So that was like a long time of learning. Uh, I think I think mid high school I might have stopped learning drum, drums privately with him, um, and and kind of kept on going on my own. Um, but yeah, so I got private lessons every Sunday. Wow. From him for like years and years. Wow. Did you ever do uh, any like music in school? Like were you in marching band or anything? Yeah. Like that? I, so I, you know, whenever there was like a so I started, I played my first show when I was in fourth grade um, with the dad's band. We played American Idiot. Uh, <laughs> What's for... the dad's band for the listeners? <laughs> so the dad's band, I went to, element, my, in my elementary school, there was like, um, you know, student performances with like, you know, kids playing the freaking recorder and stuff. Yeah. And then at the end of every show, there was a, the dad's band that would play like one rock song for everybody <laughs> to like, you know to like at close the night and it was super sick um probably kind of funny and i 
got skilled enough at drums to play with them for for fourth and fifth grade. How does that work? Do you audition, or they they reach out to you? I uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they sent me an email. No, I I was just like you know my dad was in the in the dad's band, so I was just sort of inducted mm. via that via that uh, you know connection <laughs> that in inside inside guy. Um, did Sasha play that show with you? No, Sasha was was like uh just sort of learning guitar around that time because he mentioned the dad's band that he played with them at some point so as well. yeah because he got yeah so then he got you know he got his chops up and <laughs> ready for for dad's band material but then i think i was in uh i was in middle school by that time so you so. Were two dad dad band alumni yeah exactly yeah. yeah we were we were rocking that dad's band um, runs in the family yeah i played a, it was american idiot and then i think it was a rolling stones song um, okay yeah uh that we i was born in a crossfire hurricane dun, 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 dun. i don't know that one. Oh my gosh <laughs> uh it, it, it was also it's definitely a cover it's definitely not an og mm. um oh jumping jack flash okay that's a song how was uh so American Idiot? That was like huge at that time. Yeah, I was obsessed with Green Day at the time. Every I feel like my elementary school experience was marked by American Idiot coming out and every kid just competing with how much Green Day merch they had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the aesthetic was so funny too. Is like um like uh like uh sort of like the this kind of like weird uh rocker, but like also like wearing like a button up. Yeah. What the heck was that? Like, it, it felt like it's like weird because it's like Green Day, like people are like, they're a punk band. I'm like, no, no, no. They're like a pop punk band, but they also dress like they're My Chemical Romance, yeah. kind of. <laughs> yeah. I exactly. don't know. What the, with the eyeliner and stuff. Yeah. At that show, the, the, the fourth grade show, I wore eyeliner. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like decked out. I was wearing eyeliner and I think fingerless gloves. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> I went all out. It was sick. Yeah. Everybody was into Green Day and, um, like at the end of the show, like the fifth grade chicks came up and talked to me and like that's on, uh, that's on video. Whoa. So that memory <laughs> is locked in in history. That's the Tinder profile video. Yeah. <laughs> Here's yeah. me in fourth grade being approached by fifth graders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could tell that I'm I'm into to older women. You know what cracks me up about uh, American Idiot? I realized this recently. I, I listened to that song like for the first time in like 15 years or yeah. something. And it's funny because I remember being a kid and being like, it's so crazy that he says fuck in the middle of the song. Oh, I remember yo. all the kids would shout at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> but then I looked at the lyrics and he says the other F word in the song. Yep. And we just don't acknowledge that. Bruh. Those are different times, man. Different times. Different times. <laughs> riding out the riding out the nineties, uh, you know, the nineties was like if you watch a nineties movie. Yeah. I just I just watched like all of the Hostel movies. I don't know if you're if you're familiar with the Hostel. I've movies. watched the first two. I think. Yeah, they say that all the they say the bad f word all the time. <laughs> the bad. Okay, I like that. Good f word. Bad f yeah, word. There's a good f word. The bad f word is no bueno. It's crazy. I feel like it's funny. <laughs> I'm a huge corn fan. I love corn. Yeah, corn. If I was uh, a high schooler in the 90s, I would have dreads. That is just how Ugh, it is. That's how bruh. I would not. I wouldn't have been able to help myself. I've been like, no. corn is the sickest fucking thing ever. And corn is what happens when you call one person the bad F word too many times. You st- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That is. It's just it's it's terrible. The ni- Why? There were so many things that were so strange about the nineties, like that, <laughs> that just everything. But the thing is, like, okay, so, um, like, 
I feel like the way that metal, like the trajectory of metal kind of like, and I'm kind of riding on. So, um, uh, Hunter has a lot of interesting things to say about, about metal Hunter, the band leader of liturgy. Mm -hmm. And I, I, um, picked up on some of it and, and it's totally true where she says, um, she said something about how like metal sort of started out as like a counterculture and, and like Mm -hmm. kind of like a, um, you know, and it's it still definitely is, but then the '90s, especially with like corn and like Lip bringing biscuit. like yeah, like bringing like rap into metal yeah. and popularizing metal, yep. they kind of like took the they they kind of subsumed the counterculture into like a capitalistic definitely. Thing. And they were just like kind of selling counterculture, which is like a really right. interesting. That's such a deep topic. I love uh, kind of going into that. It's like why punk's dead, kind of too. Yeah, you know? yeah. Dude, punk, I like, I totally like, I love new metal. Okay. I'm going to say it at the top. I love new metal. I've got a playlist on my phone called New Metal Shitlord on my Spotify. Oh my God. It's all my guilty pleasure new metal hits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, I could do that. The punk being dead thing, like, it's so funny. I literally talked about this on Sasha's episode as well, way back when. But I think the problem nowadays is I think everybody has an aesthetic, nobody has an identity. And the that's the, core issue with punk in my opinion because most people who are punk are dressing punk and making punk music but their lifestyle is fine they're just like people who just like punk but it's like but didn't this start from like street kids like i don't know it's it it feels very disingenuine in a lot of ways and uh every time i see someone with a uh battle jacket on with patches that aren't band patches i'm like this is part of the problem. Yeah. It's part of the problem. <laughs> it's weird. It's like, um, yeah, it's kind of like a lifestyle thing more so. Yeah. It feel it's it's like less organic, you know. Right. But right. Anything anything that's you know, I feel like even like um if you're talking to talk about I, I think I think things are more genuine now when they're being pushed, you know. Yeah. So like I feel like um any like, you know, you take take whatever capitalistic stuff is being shoved down your throat and you try to evolve it yeah so that's how you can tell something is like dead is once once it's being sold to you yeah and and then you can i think real punk or real just like genuine like organic stuff is just taking what you have and kind of evolving it and making it making it more authentic you know definitely so I think that some people struggle with um I think people struggle with like making something authentic. Yeah. And and like because they're so comfortable with like what they're being given. Right. Um, you know, punk is fashion. It's like yeah. it's it looks cool and people want to look cool. And so, you know, that's kind of that's kind of it. Mm-hmm. And then they stop there because they're like, I look cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're not like you know, everybody has tattoos. They all have like the kind of the same tattoos. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, what? But but then you see someone with like a unique tattoo or something that actually looks cool and and, and a unique style, and you're like, okay, that that's authentic. That's, yeah, you know, you can tell when someone's being authentic. Yeah, or, or like Target buying a Ramones shirt at Tar- Target or something. <laughs> because let's be real, the Ramones are not good enough to wear their T-shirt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, for court, you know, the Ramones were kind of like the Green Day of their time. Yeah, I there's like two songs I like by the Ramones, you know, and then I tried to listen to a full album and I was like, 
this is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I would never like, listen to this. This is this was probably a blast live back in the day. Don't care now. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm definitely more into extreme and more extreme stuff. Than the so ones. speaking of more extreme stuff, Green Day. <laughs> yeah, Green. Yeah, again, so how, let's come back to Green Day, the more extreme. How was it performing with the Dad's Band? How was it? Right. So the Dad's Band was sick. Um, I I got a huge thrill out of that. That was, yeah, uh, you just like awesome and that kind of propelled me into like performance just like generally is is like um is just what i love about drumming and and music in general is totally loving performance so that was my first kind of like foray or whatever into that so were you able to keep up with the dads pretty good on the uh, yeah yeah on the instruments yeah i mean i was playing more simplified version of the of the of the music when oh, okay I was, when i was you know i wasn't like just automatically sick you know yeah like it takes time you but know? you had the fingerless gloves yeah dude. i had the, they, that you know what it's also about performance and yeah it, I, it, you know if you can't if you can't play sick then look sick you yeah. know, so that, that was kind of that um but yeah i was like freaking eight or nine so was that your first time on stage in front of a bunch of people yeah totally wow. i was like i was like i was losing my mind i had like all of my friends around sitting around my drum set which was cool because we were on the like we were off the stage we were like on the floor in front of the audience yeah so everybody was like sitting like right in front of me and i was just like what's up and and it was just like <laughs> it was crazy it was crazy and i was like i was like two years old um, you're you're describing the situation to me and i'm just imagining the duality video <laughs> from slipknot oh god <laughs> where he's in that they're just drumming in the house and everyone's headbanging around the drum set oh yeah i mean yeah it was pretty crazy it was pretty not gonna that's lie, sweet crazy. well so what was the next thing you did through school? Did you do any other? Yeah, so I went to, uh, you know, out of, you know, I went through middle school, yeah. which was like super, super awkward. Um, but but I had super long hair. Okay. Which was fun. And <laughs> and everybody was like, why aren't you going to cut your aren't you gonna cut your hair? I was like, I'll never cut my hair. And, <laughs> and that was when I was starting to go to some cool metal shows, like seeing like uh, Testament. I saw like one of the first... Um, awesome big metal shows that i that i saw with my dad was um uh at jones beach i saw uh it was testament uh motorhead heaven and hell which is with ronnie james dio right and um judas priest whoa so it was a huge it was like the masters of metal tour some or classics like, yeah, yeah it was insane it was insane and so i i got to start getting into i was like getting into thrash metal around that time and more extreme music so uh that was sort of my like evolution period was like middle school i was sort of like getting from classic metal and green day and <laughs> and getting more into like like heavier like music and mm. more death metal stuff i was like i loved lamb of god hell yeah and <laughs> so good lamb of god was so especially a good drummer band because like, yes. the drumming is so like melodic yeah uh and not like any other really any other band mm -hmm. like the the inventive like i would say like gojira is kind of comparative just, yeah just with the inventiveness of it and i know that um chris adler the drummer he started off as a guitarist and he, mm -hmm. he sort of says in interviews that maybe like being a guitarist kind of helped him be more melodious in his drum playing yeah so i always found that really interesting i loved covering lamb of god and like you know, I had an electronic drum set at home, so mm -hmm. I was able to like play whatever I wanted off of <laughs> iTunes, and uh, you know, just crank it and 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 play in my in my room, which was which was so much fun. So that yeah, through middle school, I was kind of like getting better at drums, 
learning Lamb of God and stuff. And then um, finally high school comes around. And I I'm, I auditioned for LaGuardia High School. And so I okay. get into a performing arts high school. You got into that one? Yeah. Oh, I we have friends that went there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and And that was like kind of just like a wild... Like all of a sudden, music became super dominant in my life. Okay, because um, I was doing music in high school, and then I also joined a uh, like a rock camp. You know, there's like school, it's the real school of rock, right? Yeah, there's, like a real <laughs> school of rock. Yeah. Um, there was like an off. There was like a like a, a an elite core that <laughs> broke <laughs> off from the from the cause uh like. There was like this funny story that like School of Rock kind of like got like taken over by soccer moms, um, and, <laughs> and which is like funny and, and it, I don't know, but like uh, yeah, I so I joined this place called Thor, which is in the music building, and um, the music building is in Times Square ish, and I would go there every Friday after school mm-hmm. to like play metal with kids. Whoa, which was so <laughs> much fun, I'm, like just incredible. Shout out. Shout out Tomato. It's Tomato's House of Rock. Okay. Thor for short. But um, yeah. Uh, anyways, so that was like when I really started getting into like playing with other people, playing metal with other people. So wait, when was the first time you met other kids your age who were into the same type of music? Like then. Then? So okay. when I was like 13, um, that's when I like met a bunch of people that I that like was into the same stuff as me. So What was that like? That was just incredible. I I, I was like... That's also when I discovered that like girls like metal and <laughs> that they exist. And I was just like, oh my God, this is like far cooler than I even thought. <laughs> Cause like up to that point, I'm guessing you're like, metal is something me and my dad like. Yeah, it's like <laughs> something me and my dad like and that people give me shit for in in middle school <laughs> because I'm like wearing all black and I don't know, like I, yeah. So like awkward phase and then like evolving into like um just sort of like oh now this is kind of more normal Mm -hmm. and 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 i can like trade like i thought like i knew the most about metal and then all of a sudden i'm being introduced to stuff that i had never heard of before and that's just like a crazy you know i I had like i was so you know you kind of establish once you know enough yeah you kind of establish this sort of sense of like superiority like i know so much and like yeah. <laughs> no there's no way these people know what i know because i've spent so long knowing it but um people will inevitably know more or different stuff than you so mm-hmm. that's, that's a- kind of how i got into death core a little bit okay yeah it's it's Half the fun of being a metalhead is being elitist about metal and yeah. gatekeeping metal to other metalheads. <laughs> I mean, it's fun. It's like, but you gotta like, there, there, <laughs> like, I don't know. There's, there's, I, there was an interesting take that I heard from a YouTuber who kind of like vlogged about metal um a while ago. I forgot what his name was. Uh, I think he might have even been canceled, but um, <laughs> but that's okay. Ooh, he, Nazi. He, he had a good, no, he's not. He wasn't like that. I think he was just, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so he said something like, you know, we're all listening to extreme music. We all love extreme music. There's no way, there's no reason to be prejudiced against someone for not knowing as much or having a different taste than you because 
they're still into the same kind of thing that you're into. That you know, is you totally don't wanna... something someone who likes deathcore would say. <laughs> yeah, okay. But like, yeah, like, I don't know. Yeah, it sort of opened my mind. From. Actually, it, you know, it did open my mind up to other, like, more sort of cringe genres of metal. So that's like, it, yeah. it's a good thing. And it's, it's also, it's like a double-edged sword. But like, you know, people, th- there's no way that like any metalhead or, I don't know, th- like, Everybody sort of knows what Black Sabbath is. Yeah, you know? yeah. Everybody knows what the roots and and you know if you know anything about music in general or metal music in general, like you know where it comes from. Right, know? right. And so as long as you have some idea about that, I think it's kind of you know cool. Also, it's like it's it's like it's not it's like gotten to a level of like world music. Yeah, totally. So metal is just here to stay and and anybody who's willing to listen to it and and likes it is cool in my book yeah doesn't matter if you don't know who immolation is right yeah (laughs) it's it's interesting because i feel like it's such a it's i mean metal as a whole just such a cult following yeah like it's not like um like people in the mainstream are hearing about latest like metal releases you know it's not like there's not that like we were talking about like the 90s new metal like breakthrough type thing yeah that is like totally gone and it's like now it's like if you want metal it's there when you're looking for it but it's not everywhere you know i think metal now has become sort of like a flavor that like people spice up their other music with oh totally like that's kind of what's hot now what's hot now is like rap that has like metal spice yeah like people like zillikami C- city more ghost main ghost main yeah love yeah ghost main. i feel like <laughs> we like <laughs> but like yeah just there's so much there's some bones there's so yeah. much like me- there's so much metal in rap music it's kind of funny like we were started we, we in the 90s we were like putting rap in metal but now we're like putting metal in rap it's yeah kind of yeah. weird but um you know i i, I was just i was just on um uh, this like new art. There's another artist just came out, uh, Dana Dentata, who okay. I was like in a, in her music video as like an evil paparazzi guy. But she also has like this sort of like metal aesthetic with like uh like kind of a more badass like um you know rapper thing going yeah. on. I think I think it, there's a lot of crossover with uh, ICP. Yeah, like definitely. <laughs> yeah, like ICP really really brought um the like people love that the icp people like do the like metal rap thing really really well yeah they were a very early proponent of that it feels like yeah (laughs) yeah they're they're the ogs but yeah now we have like suicide boys or whatever love them um yeah love them so much (laughs) i'll tell you what i went to their show a couple years back me, my brother, my friend love Suicide Boys. We go there, and it is like us in our like mid twenties, and just a bunch of high schoolers. Oh, and yeah. it was like, oh, we're the only people in this entire venue who don't have X's on their hands. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was still lit though. It's they the, were great. Yeah, it's like the new hot. It's the new hot shit. Is is <laughs> is um is a little bit of spice on on that rap music. So you uh, <laughs> let's rewind here. So get back on track. You do you go to this thing called Thor. Yeah, so you can play metal music on Fridays with other kids. Do you remember one of the what the first songs you played with other kids were? Uh, yeah, it was like Slayer. Uh, we we played like uh, Angel of Death, mm. um, which was a sick song. Um, 
yeah, man, it was like we played so much freaking different stuff. I remember playing Death, um, some like it, it was like advanced music. Like mm. we we were all able to kind of like most of the time we were able to like choose what we wanted to play. Yeah. So, and so a lot of us were into like, um, death metal and and brought in a bunch of a bunch of different stuff it was crazy mm-hmm. but like yeah a lot of slayer metallica kind of like megadeth there was like a, a big four kind of like show that we did sometimes okay. there were like themes mm-hmm. so like big four so we did like anthrax um megadeth metallica slayer that was like sort of the first show that i did mm-hmm. um it was sick because i was even i was like that was when i was able to like start inviting friends to shows and stuff like yeah. from high school like check yeah. out what i do um yeah, and then we got into like more other stuff. Like, uh, I got I got to play like Decapitated, and I got to play um, you know, Cannibal <laughs> Corpse and stuff like that. It's crazy to me that like this is like a program that's like an educational program, and adults are just like, yeah, just play death metal. It's oh yeah, fine. no, they like... did, they let us do whatever we wanted. <laughs> they they it was sick. We could say fuck all we wanted because I feel like <laughs> like. When I can't like where I'm from, I can't imagine something like that. Like metal was something the kids like discovered, and there was not a single adult or parent who was like into it that would like encourage it. It was just like all of us listen to this music, and all the parents were like, "Is there something going on?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. Like satanic panic type stuff. Like, yeah. Oh my god, this is like this shirt has a person with a knife on it. That's evil. Yeah. But um, but yeah, like it, I actually through like I wasn't really allowed to wear metal merch until like middle school. Really? And so so I I like started wearing. I I mean I had I had like a Motorhead shirt. Yeah. Early on, I had a Motorhead shirt. Um, but like I wanted like more skulls. I wanted to wear <laughs> skulls all day. And um, then I you know middle school, high school, I started getting more merch and stuff, and I was able yeah. to like get flesh out my flesh out my stuff. But I, yeah, I used um, to I. I in high school is when I started wearing band shirts. Mm-hmm. I had like two Disturbed shirts because <laughs> I love Disturbed. The first four albums are killer. Don't at me. Um, Yo, and- there's a just breaking <laughs> in. There's a car in downtown Manhattan somewhere that has, and it's been posted before that has like a ton of Disturbed bumper stickers. Really? All, it's like it's the Disturbed <laughs> car. If you if you find it, like oh my god, I I I'm yeah. It's, it exists. Shit. It's out there. And then I got uh, like later, I got like an, an immortal shirt, which is fucking sick. Hell yeah! Uh, and then like when I started going to like like a, like a lot more shows in college, I got like cattle decap shirts, like Ooh. high on fire. And I I stopped wearing them because I realized at a certain point, uh, I think of metal as art and theatrics. Yeah, basically. and I love it. And it's not like a thing that's like that presents any sort of like. Oh, this isn't about hatred or violence or anything to me. It's just like this is like fun. Brutality. You know? yeah. yeah. And then but the problem is is even though I see it as art and I'm like, yeah, it's totally normal, of course art is fine to consume. When people look at you wearing a shirt that is like some animal with its like flesh peeled off, yeah. you're like, <laughs> they're not they don't think that's a well adjusted normal guy. No. Like <laughs> No. So I, I'm going. I I call it. I'm. I went incognito mode, and I just stopped wearing band shirts. However, I still collect them. And mm. my goal one day is I want to make a hot topic wall in whatever oh house I end up bu- buying. I want to make like in like my man cave or my garage. I want to just a wall of all the band shirts I've collected over the years. Oh, excellent, excellent. <laughs> that that's that's the goal. That's that's a good goal. Good dream. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, that's that's sick. I mean, so you were not allowed to wear them until middle school. Yeah, was that a parents' rule? Or it was school? a parents' rule. Okay. It was like kind of like you know you're not allowed to buy like rated M video games or whatever until you're like a certain age. Yeah. Um, I think I don't know really what it was, but you know I remember my Motorhead shirt attracting some attention when I was in when I when I was an early <laughs> child, and uh, so I mean. The power of a metal shirt is really, it's like so real. It's like an enchanted piece of like armor from an RPG video game. It like increases your charisma with like the metal cult or whatever. Yeah. You can walk by someone. I like, I did it the other day. Like, uh, you'll walk by someone with a metal shirt and be like, nice shirt. And they're like, yeah. And like, it's all over the place. That's like always going to be a thing. That's like what you love about metal culture is, is like, you see someone with a metal shirt. You don't even know what the hell that band is, but you're like, that's a cool shirt. Yep. And you're like, nice shirt, bro. And they're like, yeah. When you, I had I had it once where I went, I saw Rammstein in 2012, my senior year of high school. I got a t-shirt, right? The weekend following, I was just out at like Qdoba and I got in my car and this woman walked by wearing a Rammstein shirt. I mm. literally got out of the car. I was like, yo, were mm. you there last week? Yeah. And she was like, yeah, I was fucking sick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, it's just that like bonding moment, especially I feel like, because one, not everybody likes metal, so metalheads are like already slim. Yeah. And then you're picking subgenres and bands from that. So when you see someone wearing a band shirt of a band that you really fuck with and you don't know many people who do, it's yeah. like so cool. Yeah, like, yeah. Nice. Oh, it's the freaking best. <laughs> it's so it's like nerdy, but also hella tough at the same time. Which it's is also so great. nerdy. <laughs> it's it's awesome. What I, what's funny to me also is like. Um, like there's like certain bands that like we joke about being like tough guy metal, you know, like yeah. five finger death punch is like tough guy metal because they they're terrible or or well, there's also nails nails, which is totally tough yeah, guy but, music. Yeah. but cool. Tough but guy. Also cool. Yeah, but like tough guy metal. It's funny because it's like there's like people who l- like listen to this music are like, yeah, fucking fight people. Yeah, I'm <laughs> fucking badass. But at the end of the day, I'm like literally all like almost all metal otherwise is like swords and dragons and orcs and yeah like <laughs> yeah exactly nerd yeah. shit yeah it's all nerd shit it's like i mean that's 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 kind of the there's there's it's it's all nerd shit it's like mm-hmm. it's like fantasy uh torture and like also uh, sci-fi stuff too yeah they bring the sci-fi. <laughs> rings of saturn uh, is like a sci-fi you know we love we love aliens mm-hmm. um I'm, I'm a big alien head hell yeah we, really i'm well i'm i love like well i love the movie alien oh, okay there's just like you know or hr geiger like yeah geiger did a carcass album cover oh yeah so yeah it's huh. like you know there's there's some like good sci-fi stuff coming coming around. Um, Artificial Brains, another good sci-fi metal band. Yeah. Um. Who who is it? I think uh, like Cattle Decapitation sometimes teeters on some sci-fi yeah, stuff. Yeah, they're like more like apocalyptic. Yeah. They're like they do like with the um the monolith of inhumanity is sort of sci-fi. Yeah. Did you ever listen to uh, anything by Devin Townsend? Oh yeah, dude. Uh, Ziltoid the Omniscient. Have yeah. you listened to that one? Well, no, I haven't listened to that one, but I, I'm. It's yeah. a sci-fi metal opera. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's just like such an amazing uh, composer. I, I'm, I'm more of a fan of like Strapping Young Lad. Yeah. Um, just in, in extreme metal, you know. It's it's funny because Strapping Young Lad is like top tier extreme metal, and then he sobered up, and now he makes amazing metal. But you have to be okay with the fact that it kind of sounds like Jesus music sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I saw him live. It was really, really interesting. He's um, so good. It's like it's crazy because they play with so many backing tracks. Yeah, that like, uh, you know, I, I was just like watching 
I always watch the drummer like the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so playing with a met, I know he's playing with a metronome and that's, that's like, you know, since I've done that too, it's, I know how like hard it can, it can be to be playing with a metronome live and syncing up with, with backing tracks that are like orchestral. And like, if you are off by like, if you're off by two beats, everything sounds weird and wrong. Wow. <laughs> like, well, why is it difficult to play with a metronome live? So it's difficult because um, not everybody's listening to it. Oh, so it's probably over by you. Yeah. Right. Okay. So if you're if if you're off, it's just hard to communicate where everything is. Right. If you're the one that's following it, and then you fuck up, mm. then everybody else is still following you, but you have to correct it to the metronome somehow mm-hmm. and there's no way for you to do that without fucking everybody else up wow so it yeah it gets really it gets really crazy in the performance aspect like when you're in the studio and you're playing with a metronome you could be like stop i fucked up we can we gotta restart right. whatever but when you're playing live you, there's like this whole nother level of like synchronicity that you have to just be like a hundred percent on top of all the time wow and um that's so impressive yeah, I mean it's it's kind of it's 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 like, you know, I don't particularly enjoy playing it like with <laughs> along with a metronome because of that kind of like plugged yeah. in aspect to it. You're so what's kind the of, alternative? Well the the alternative well it, is just like no back just get like a keyboardist. Oh, okay. Like, get, gotcha. Get like a keyboard, get two keyboardists. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, oh, okay. So it's, so the backing tracks, you're trying to align to when they come about in the song. And that's what the me- metronome is for. Yeah. The me- Ver- versus someone being there and pushing go on a background track when it's supposed to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, sometimes, like, I've worked samples mm. and, like, while playing, samples are, off, like, samples are synced up with the metronome. Right. And so, when I'm playing, I start, I start a song just, like, with a pad and it starts the sample, which is, like, the whole song, the whole rest of the song. Mm. And the metronome is going all at the same time. And for the whole song, I just have to be on top of it, which is usually totally fine. Mm-hmm. Unless you accidentally hit that pad again. Oh, okay. And it restarts the entire song Ooh. in the middle of the song. <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck do I do now? Has it happened to you live? It has happened to me before, and it is terrifying. How do you how do you correct it? You turn it off. You just turn it off. Yeah. <laughs> you just turn it off. You're like, fuck this. You just like turn it off and and don't just don't just don't suffer for the rest of the song. <laughs> because it's it's just pure pain. Yeah. I've yeah. I mean, yeah. So I mean it hasn't ha- like, you know, I with KO dot, I've played a lot with backing tracks and stuff okay. because um, it's a it's like a lot of composition for like a small amount of musicians, and it's pretty crazy how, how we managed to pull it off. Um, but with all of my other bands, I don't okay. usually usually do it unless I'm recording. Really. Mm. But you know, I've been thinking about doing it more just because um, it it helps with staying tight. You know, me liking to go fast, I go faster. Yeah. And stuff like that. So that's sort of where I'm at now is like, so my whole, you know, musical journey and stuff, like when I was in high school, sort of coming back to that, like I was working, I was doing like orchestral stuff and like learning, I, you know, I learned a lot of musical theory even before that. So I got a little bit of like a classical training and then Going into college, I'm just like I'm just playing metal and yeah, I'm doing my thing and practicing on my own and stuff. But as of quite recently, especially because of working with liturgy and stuff, I've sort of 
realized that I need to like hone my skill a lot more mm-hmm. and like and like kind of get into what like tasteful drumming is. Yeah, or, like because up until ne- up until like you know recently, I'm just like just let it all come out. I'm just going crazy the whole time. Yeah, and I'm I'm definitely like. I've definitely spent like uh, I've had like quite a journey trying to get faster. Yeah, because like I want to be a, a crazy metal drummer. I mm. love that, so I want to do that. Did you watch Whiplash? No, I haven't. Oh my god, you would love it. I yeah, <laughs> I, I I I know. I mean, drumming is pain. So. Yeah, <laughs> it's, Dude, it's like, like an, it's such an intense sports movie, but actually about drumming. <laughs> yeah, I think people don't really realize. I don't. I think most people don't, especially guitarists. Mm. I don't think they realize how painful it is to play drums. <laughs> Um, just gonna put that out there, but <laughs> but yeah, I mean, everybody, you know, musicianship is also generally yeah. kind of just like stressful, <laughs> you know, you know, like you're practicing and your fingers are bleeding and you're just like, yeah, this is life. You kind of do it because you have to do it. You don't really do mm. it like that's kind of like one thing is like you love the music and you love performing. Uh, there's but there's also like attacks, right? Of, of just like. You you actually have to be nice. Like, you have to like really pay your dues. Yeah. In terms of just like practicing and stuff, mm-hmm. and that that that's no joke. <laughs> so, what was the um first band you were a part of that was extracurricular? Just like you joining a band of people. Uh, Diabolicus. Diabolicus. Yeah, it was my it was my first. It was my band in uh high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was with a bunch of the Thor kids. Okay. And uh, we have two albums. Really? Or EPs. <laughs> and um what kind of music is it it's it's like kind of straight up death metal okay um we we all kind of like um loved death metal and we're pushing ourselves musically mm-hmm. a lot at the time and some killer musicianship in that band for sure can't believe we were that young playing that kind of music playing that way um but yeah diabolicus was my first like band we've had we had like a ton of performances we played at the, a lot at this place called um the Yippie Cafe, okay. which was in like downtown Manhattan, and <laughs> it was like this hippie cafe that had like a huge weed leaf poster on its wall, and they would pay the bands like seventy five percent of the door. Whoa! And I was like, this is even my like small brain at the time uh, was like, this is not a sustainable business model. <laughs> and and sure enough, that place closed down, and my goodness, bless them, they were they were such a jewel in in, <laughs> in this city it was in, it was so much fun to play there like so many shows with my bands so what was your first show with diabolicus man i i don't think i i don't think i even i can recall mm. it was it was we because we just like as soon as we were able to play shows we just started mm-hmm. and so we played i think it might have been yippee cafe yeah but we played Tobacco Road, which is mm. also in Lower Manhattan, maybe more like Times Square. But we definitely didn't play that first. I think it had to have been the Yippie Cafe, um, just like a place that's uh, suitable for minors. Right, know? right. <laughs> yeah, but um, but the yeah, like playing playing uh, death metal was was totally. Totally it. I was also in a blues rock band also in high school. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With my friend Steen. Yeah, we were he was a shredder blues guitarist who loved um uh Stevie Ray Vaughan. Mm. So <laughs> I, I didn't know anything about blues, but I started to play the blues with my friend because he was like one of the few people from my from my high school that I was 
able to you know start did you um by playing blues did you learn anything that you brought back to your metal i learned a little bit like basically that that band wasn't very long uh like i I was in that band for two years okay and um i think diabolicus was three years maybe Mm -hmm. um and basically kind of what i learned in my high school musical career was like you have to play and this is something that i kind of like didn't really pay too much attention to until recently like i mentioned is that you have to sort of serve the music a lot more and not just kind of play how you want to right so like um i mean even though like blues rock is still like loud um it's you you have to play certain you have to play more tastefully to that music to that style you can't like be doing a bunch of double bass like right right you know you have to kind of like do fills that are like more suitable to that that genre of music. So that's kind of what I learned through my high school career a little bit was that, but I also had a lot of fun playing metal and doing mm-hmm. whatever I wanted. So <laughs> that was, that was sort of what I had gravitated towards. Nice. Ultimately. What was the, uh, what was the inception of uh, vomit fist? When did that come yeah. around? Vomit fist happened when I was in late high school, I was in junior year and, um, uh, Diabolicus was kind of like on its way out. And I was like, I need to find a way to make a project that I can totally just like, have a good time in and then yeah um so i was like okay i could totally be in a metal band with my dad and <laughs> i because yeah and uh my dad's a guitarist he raised me on metal there's like this just makes sense i just got to come up and i wanted to do like a black metal band specifically especially right. during the time all throughout my early life into high school and even more recently i've gone on hiking trips with my dad and okay. my brother yeah yeah you might have heard about that from from Sasha, but we would go on these like intense hiking trips every summer <laughs> that are like that are no we got all four thousand footers in uh New Hampshire area in the white mountains oh wow yeah they're, these are they're all mountains that, that there's forty eight of them anyway, so like uh that kind of like brought the black metal out in me, yeah you know like <laughs> it's just like nah, brutal just marching <laughs> in the woods cult yeah. woods and fog and stuff. So, yeah, I was like, I want to be in a black metal band with my dad. Kind of also was getting into grindcore, too. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, uh, you know, I, I what I would do in math class or in all of my classes forever, I would just, like, draw. And uh, in one, one day, I was like, I'm going to just like, kind of, like, riff on, like, cool uh, grindcore-style band names. Okay, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so I was, like, writing names, and I was like, uh, one of them was Ass Hammer. <laughs> and then I think the next one was Vomit Fist. Yeah. And I did the logo in my notebook, and that logo is still our logo. Nice. Yeah. And <laughs> Ass Hammer is actually a Vomit Fist song. So we used all the material from, from that geometry class. That's so fun, is just coming up with those band names. I've yeah. literally never in my life actually played an instrument or been a part of any band or anything, yeah. but I would always just think of band names. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, band name, ba- coming up with band names is like, is, is like, is just an art in itself. It's, yeah. It's so entertaining. <laughs> Especially if you try to do like genre specific ones. Yeah. Because then you do, you get into like in mo, like you know motifs in like you know if we make a black metal band name what's a good a black metal name uh, yeah snow uh, 
blood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always thought if I started like a like a slam metal band, it would be sanctifying slaughter. Oh, yeah, alliteration. That's yeah, good. that's good. <laughs> I'm all about alliteration. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that would that would totally work. Sanctifying slaughter. That's a good one. So how do you uh, get your dad on board with Vomit Fist? I was like, you want to be in band? He was like, okay. <laughs> that was it. And, and we just started going to the studio that we, we, you know, my dad would rent out for, for his own purposes and, mm. and, and let me have my band practices in there. And so we were just, you know, going there together. Who did the vocals on that? Oh, so then I recruited my buddy Malcolm. Mm. Um, he's like my, he's my best friend in high school. And uh, he's got this just, um, you know, still does has always had this like you know a, a incredible just um charisma and energy around him mm-hmm. just like super physical energy and uh very loud voice just loud person loud yeah and, yeah and and uh so i was like okay if we're gonna have a you know metal black metal grindcore project i need my buddy malcolm on this to mm-hmm. like front it yeah and, like <laughs> oh, man yeah so our shows like i played one show just as a duo with my dad and that was great it was a lot of fun very you know it we make challenging music for ourselves it's very yeah. entertaining just to see that um but then once you got malcolm in there in your face like screaming and and doing weird somersaults and <laughs> losing his shoes and throwing his shoes at you then that's that's when shit actually took it to another level so <laughs> so that's when we got malcolm in there and it's been it's been a a wild awesome experience ever since you know we we've we've done little tours we've made a ton of friends on the road and playing shows together and it's just you know become this like awesome awesome little scene we have you nice know? so it's, it's it's awesome yeah that's dope yeah and uh we're working on some new stuff now we have two albums <laughs> yeah and uh the trinity needs to be complete so we're working <laughs> on our third uh we're we're um the album art is really important for yeah, us yeah. and uh i don't know if you saw like the frog war or whatever like that <laughs> no. um oh the the album art is really key it's important for the lore we have like a lore okay <laughs> yeah yeah what's the nerd shit <laughs> yeah 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 nerd shit for real yeah it's like a frog invasion that uh like completely destroys earth and um and and like the so the first one the first it's like a, a Hieronymus Bosch sort of like triptych that we're going for, um, but they're more panoramic instead of vertical. Mm-hmm. And um, so the the first one is like a panorama of like the frog invasion and like sort of like World War Two guys like struggling and like they're just like pouring all of this vomit onto the earth. And then um, the second one is just like the the sea of vomit and like flies, um kind of just like uh festering on all of like the aftermath and yeah. just like going in clouds and like all the destroyed buildings and everything's just like totally like kind of post apoc you know post post apocalyptic. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I I'm sort of like workshopping ideas for the third one what it's gonna be a little bit. And I think it's gonna be kind of like a, a primordial earth like new evolution kind of thing. Um <laughs> With like, uh, but like all of the sort of like crustaceany kind of guys, you know, they they're like, you know, like how a hermit crab will take like trash and use it as a shell, yeah, like doing stuff like that, and like kind of using the remains <laughs> and and kind of like uh, 
you know, repurposing it and well, growing anew. It's all about evolution. It's all about, you know, the circle of life, ultimately. Okay. Yeah. I like the the extreme imagery of frogs in the first one and then just the absence of frogs in the next two. <laughs> well, the, the, and the, the frogs are still there in the second one. Their corpses are still there. Oh. And I think, I think like there will still be frog stuff going on. <laughs> we're, we're all about that frog stuff. I don't know where the hell that came from. I think Malcolm wrote lyrics about like frog aliens coming in and we were just like, all right, that's it. We're going in. That's a lot of our, a lot of our writing process was like me and Malcolm like bouncing ideas off of each other and just riffing on like insane. One, one of our songs is about like what if there was like a civilization that was like an island civilization in a sea of blood <laughs> and, and and like and the, somehow the sea is populated by sharks that are constantly you know bugging out because it's made out of blood <laughs> and so their food source is these sharks and so they would go out on these boats and fight these sharks barehanded barefisted until the shark died and then bring it back onto the on the <laughs> island for them to consume and yeah that that blood fisher is the name of that song that's incredible yeah, so we, did, we just come up with ridiculous <laughs> ridiculous concepts like that and, and run with it wow so let me ask you this we're we got like about 40 minutes left um but what uh when did you get into liturgy right so i got into liturgy um around when i was graduating college i think uh maybe a year before and uh hunter contacted me on instagram uh, like uh, for her uh, opera, um, origin of the Alimonies, and um, which was sort of pitched like as more of a side project, mm-hmm. and so I was like, okay, I'll work with you. This is this is sick. I'm like totally down. How did how did you know Hunter? Well, I was a I was a fan of liturgy since high school okay like i had um re-nihilation and i loved it i loved it i was like i was you know still on my like true metal uh like superiority kick and so yeah. i was like re-nihilation is like the most black metal liturgy album and so mm. i'm really gonna listen to that <laughs> <laughs> uh and so um i uh was a fan for a while and then i just sort of followed hunter because malcolm and i were like kind of into like her weird like ph- philosophy stuff mm-hmm and uh so so when so i was just like i just happened to be and uh vomit fist also like reached out to them at some point to play a show but that never happened oh, okay and so we were kind of like out in the middle brooklyn metal scene and stuff like that and so mm. i was friends with hunter on instagram through that gotcha and um and yeah so then she hit me up and was like do you want to be a part of this opera and i was like metal opera hell yeah let's do it and sort of that's sort of how i got to meet her and start mm-hmm. working with her and just would you know she gave me sheet music and i would just like play so didn't too. didn't origin of the alimonies come out after heck and you were on that one as well we were so yeah i mean the the way that it worked was there was actually a live performance of origin the alimonies that we were working up to when she first hit me up so okay we did that that that's the arc and during that arc towards working up uh working up towards that um it was brooklyn saw national sawdust that was that performance okay um we we were preparing for that and then hunter sort of was like oh we can like learn some liturgy stuff too if you want and i was like hell yes so as we were preparing for the origin of the alimony stuff i began to learn liturgy stuff Mm -hmm. and uh and sort of that's how I became liturgy's drummer as like members started, you know, um, learning uh, liturgy stuff, too. So um, that's kind of how that 
that came around. I was inducted via the opera towards this performance. And then during working up into the performance, I started learning liturgy stuff. And then after the performance, I was already like, well, I already had like a set list worth of liturgy stuff. No. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And so then I started doing liturgy performances and stuff. Um, and so then we did a bunch of, I started learning some new material after, after that. And then, um, that probably is like a half year of time okay. or more. And we then recorded both hack and origin of the almonies at the same time. Oh, okay. And because all of that was in my brain and body yeah. at that time. So I was able to just poop it out mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, and that's how that happened and so that's yeah so what's it like going into a band and being given music to learn versus writing your own music yeah i mean i i was sort of i sort of um was already a little bit used to it because i was doing stuff with ko dot okay and ko dot is all um like sort of toby's composition and stuff so i'm sort of used to like non-democratic all sort of like everybody just playing another person's music and yeah. playing it super well and like you still get plenty of glory out of that like yeah. there's no no problem there mm -hmm. um you it's just a matter of perspective a little bit yeah um i i uh you know i was like i was like totally into it i'm 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 you know i think like you make a place for yourself with your performance and your mm. skill people will recognize your skill and and it doesn't matter if you know you're credited with writing it people don't really think about that either it's like you don't you don't go to like a show and think about who wrote it unless it's like explicit and you go to see like a, a front person mm -hmm. performing but i think in metal it's like people really appreciate the music more i know with liturgy and, and ko dot it's like it's more emphasis on like the one person right um especially if they're putting a lot out that's like also aside from music um you know and going around and making a lot of, you know, effort on their own to right. promote the band and stuff. So interesting. But I think like, yeah, there's still plenty of room for, uh, you know, any, any, in, any individual, even the bassist. <laughs> so you, do you, did you end up having any, uh, so you're, you're, you're playing the music you're given, but did, do you end up having any creative control in some ways, any like leeway or negotiation? So, uh, I mean, uh negotiation would be more like skill based stuff so like okay. if i couldn't play something i'd be like we have to sort of change this part in order for me there to are too play, many dots in this play. line yeah, there's too many too many notes <laughs> um uh, i can't do that many notes sometimes like cuz you know especially coming from a classical background um you can sort of like composers will write stuff that because they don't play the instrument yeah. they'll write impossible things that's sort of mm. something that i've you know my dad's a composer i i i've played a lot of classical music stuff like you know when a composer is doing this. but like you also know what what ideas they're trying to convey right so you're like okay i know you i know you want me to do this it's like kind of not possible either skill or like musically mm -hmm. uh but i know what vibe you are trying to convey. So I'm going right. to go for that and see what you think mm. of that. Usually, you know, nine times out of 10, they'll be like, that's cool. Okay. Or they'll just like write something different for you. Yeah. And so that's kind of like how, how it is with that is like, it, that's sort of like, you know, in terms of negotiating and, and that kind of like creative collaboration. But, um, you know, in terms of like having my own input, I, I feel like I, you know, I'm given, there's a lot of times, especially in these bands that like, 
in both Chaodon and Liturgy, there's parts that are just like, okay, in for this section, just go insane. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm like, okay. And that's sort of where I find my like creative uh, input is like, I just go absolutely buck wild. And I don't know what it is about about like these bands. <laughs> Why? What is it with these bands that I'm in that are just like Leo? Okay, go crazy this part, please for 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 twelve bars or whatever. Um, <laughs> so it's just like wild improv, and I, yeah. I feel like I feel like there's a little bit of um, creative control in that. But it's not like I'm writing drum parts. They're like, right. we want you to play this here, this there, and go crazy here. And so I'm like, okay, that's what I'm gonna do. Mm. There's no way that, I'm, that you know, I'm, I never I'm like, oh, you know, I feel like this would sound better if I was playing a heavy gotcha. part instead of a fast part, okay. or whatever. I get more creative, you know, my, that creative input is more, you know, in when I'm playing with Vomit Fist or Chased or whatever, right? And okay. as long, yeah, as long as I have those bands. Uh, or you know my own solo stuff, right? Because that's like your baby. Then yeah, then yeah. I then I have my creative output there, and then I, I and then I have you know then I'm not you know there's like you know my then it's like I have compartmentalized my like sort of life. You know you you got right right my robot shit, and then I got my my human shit. And I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm a cyborg. <laughs> I think I think drummers are cyborgs at their dude at their um it's core. okay sasha has always been like dude you got to meet leo you and leo are so alike because <laughs> okay when i was in college my my friends made a facebook page called stop max allen from becoming a cyborg because <laughs> they would call me the cyborg <laughs> oh really yeah. oh nice yeah <laughs> but i totally feel you on that see like this podcast like this is my baby this is my project i can do whatever i want with it and i love doing it i have just started helping someone else produce their podcast and like my creative input is virtually none. Mm-hmm. I am just like bringing the equipment to them and recording it, and then I'm going to do the quick edits or whatever. And the only thing I provide is basically like, okay, guys, so you should probably when you start the show have something you say to introduce yourselves, and when you end the show, do your plugs. That's all. That's my only input. Uh, mm-hmm. Hold the mic close to your mouth. Like, yeah. Right. And it's just like autopilot, and I just sit there on my phone while they record with my equipment. But it's like, yeah. If that was my whole experience in recording a podcast, I'd be like, this sucks. Yeah. But because I have my own, it's like, it fills the need on both ends. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy when um, your creative, uh, like, art thing sort of becomes, like, a little bit job-y. Mm-hmm. And um, since I'm in so many bands, I invest, like, a ton of time into playing. Yeah. And it's becoming a little bit more like a job. Which is kind of crazy, um, uh, but 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 like you know, I'm not getting that much money out of it. It's just right. the amount of time, you know. And and I'm a comedian. I get it. Yeah, it's 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 kind of crazy because it's like you know, um, then it becomes a little bit of a different animal. It's not just some like a hobby that you enjoy doing. It's it's more much more serious than that. And you have to mm-hmm. kind of like make an. That's that's why you got to have your robot time and your human time because like. If you're if you're all if you're doing all robot time on something that you love, then you're then you're gonna fall out of love with it because right. then you're not actually doing what you want to do. It's right. kind of like you know a robot. I'm being a robot, and then um, <laughs> so like the human stuff, like you know doing stuff. It's like you gotta have a good you know as you're getting more and more busy with it. If you split it up and and have more like well-rounded time use, right. I totally feel that. I used to do, uh, I do photography kind of like lightly here and there. And I used to do, I used to shoot comedy shows 
and I realized it was taking all of the joy out of comedy for me, <laughs> or out of both comedy and photography. But it was like it became a thing where it's like, yeah, you're paying me, but now I got to take photos, make sure it's perfect, and I got to edit the photos and get them to you. And I would spend so much time worrying about the photos and the focus that I was just missing the entire comedy show. Mm -hmm. And then photography became a chore. And so I stopped doing it because I wanted to go back to enjoying both of those things. It's like, like, you know, like once or twice a week, I want to bring my camera out. I want to take some pictures and I want to have fun doing it. I don't want to be like someone needs this from me. Yeah. 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 There's there's like it's interesting to. To, to think of like the job slash art relationship kind yeah. of thing. I, I, you know, it's definitely um, something that people, you know, have a hard time with in terms of you got to choose what you want to do versus what you have to do. And if it sometimes it coalesces, that can be either a good thing or a bad thing. If you're doing yeah. like drums, I mean, like, I feel like I do it so much at this point that I need to capitalize on it. Yeah. I need to like start doing more robot stuff. Um, <laughs> or else, or else it's just like, I mean, you know, like money is like a, a thing. Like, I, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I just filed my last claim for unemployment, uh, <laughs> like this last weekend. And so I'm just like, holy crap. Now life is like actually real again. Back on hard um, mode. Back on hard mode. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's crazy because, you know, making time for your art is, is really important. You have to make time for the art that you love. Yes. Um, especially once you d- start doing, uh, art. For other people right? mm. yeah yeah i i totally agree yeah. i think it's it, like but also yeah like you said if you can capitalize on it with your skill set yeah that's great yeah it's great <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah so is there any type of like um any type of music that you would like to play drums in that you have not ventured into oh well um i think oh geez well i i there's there's types of music that i really respect that i wish that i could play like what like um well like latin jazz is Mm. is like a style of drumming that is so alien to me um but also because it's like hard level drumming but like soft and like for like lounges huh so it's like you're (laughs) playing like you're playing a hard level like you have to be an insanely skilled drummer to play it but it's for like chilling So I would love to. I would love to be good at that. Um, wow, some of it is like relatively simple, but it all involves like an inton- like uh, independence of a whole another you know beast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, your 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 limbs are doing stuff that don't don't usually you don't usually do in metal. Um, so I would love to get more into that to be like just especially just a more well rounded drummer, right? Like getting into Latin Latin music or um. Even like just regular old jazz, I feel like I, I could get a little, I could use a little bit more experience playing. Just it does, you know, because Billy Cobham is a good example, or, or Tony Williams is a good example of like double kick playing mm. jazz fusion drummers, you know. So I think that's kind of a, a cool, another, another uh, genre that I could, I could, I could use a little bit more experience in. Um, but yeah, I think Latin jazz is probably a better answer just because it's, like, <laughs> it's so drastic. It's like, except like you have to be like an, an insanely good drummer. Also reggae. Reggae. Yeah. Not, um, not a huge fan of um, what's like fast punk reggae called ska. Yeah. Not a huge fan of that, <laughs> but um yeah, like reggae, like also it's like it's crazy because I think I'm just gravitating towards like genres of music that require 
you to be really good at maintaining like a chill vibe while mm. also playing really rigorously and well mm. because it's easy to like play loud and fast yeah but it's really hard to play quiet and fast yeah or like yeah so, interesting yeah that's kind of like where i feel like i need to go is more like feel and and like and like just being staying loose and and like keeping it chill even though you're playing really fast yeah. maybe you should trade in the drum kit for a steel drum oh my god <laughs> yo <laughs> yeah I mean, I've played a little bit of marimba and like melodic percussion before, mm. and that's never really attracted me all that much. Um, just because I feel like it's it's a little bit too you have to be a little too direct. Like with a drum, you have like a whole drum, okay. but with like a with like a xylophone, you have like a small piece of wood that you gotta hit perfectly. <laughs> you know, it's oh, like okay. a little bit more like accurate, which which is a little challenging. Um, but um, I don't know. I don't know like I, 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 I enjoyed it. It's just yeah. It's, it's a interesting. I also just had a thought that it's also like a drum. Like you're like the whole head of the drum you can hit, and depending on where you hit it, you can also get different sounds. Totally. Versus a xylophone where it's like a it's like a discrete unit of sound. Yeah. You hit it. like you hit that one. It makes that sound. Yeah. That's yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Hmm. So yeah, one thing that I always remember is when I was a kid, and like kids would get into orchestra. Kids would be like, I want to be a drummer, and they would always hit them with. You know, if you're gonna be a drummer, you got to be a percussionist. You're gonna have to hit the triangle sometimes. Mm -hmm, like, <laughs> mm -hmm. oh man, I could tell you all about that. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, I went to LaGuardia High School, man. I've played the heck out of a triangle <laughs> or a tambourine. You know, I play a triangle, tambourine, bass drum, timpani. Um, you know, woodblock. <laughs> Oh my god, woodblock. I want a woodblock so bad. Woodblocks are sick because they can make them into animal shapes. Mm. So it's not just like a woodblock, it's like a frog. <laughs> Perfect. Bro, you're for playing the fist. Yeah, exactly. You're playing a frog, bro. Um <laughs> so yeah, freaking or the, you know, the clave, uh, weird like found percussion stuff. Um but yeah, like it's totally true that like I've I've like spent, you know, there's definitely, I don't know, maybe a good few hours of my life that I've spent waiting to play uh, a a triangle. <laughs> you know, I feel like I feel like it, that is purely just a way for music teacher to like beat the hope out of kids who just like to yeah, yeah, yeah. On the yeah. desk all day. Yeah, yeah. Like you're a fidgety kid. You think that drums is gonna be good for your fidgety. No, you're gonna you're gonna have to sit for like 80, 80 <laughs> measures and like play the triangle one time. And if you fuck it up, you're you're out. <laughs> um, yeah. I, one of the first um orchestral performances I did was actually um when I, when I was in middle school, I went to like a music camp at the Manhattan School of Music. Okay. And that's when I started learning a lot of my classical stuff so that I could audition for LaGuardia. And one of the first things that I had to play was a, a glockenspiel part uh, for, like, this, like, Asian folk song. And it was, like, very slow and, like, the tinkling of the glockenspiel <laughs> had to be, like, perfect. And it's, like, one of those things where you're playing the most piercing instrument in the room. Yeah. Everybody can hear you. And if you fuck up, you are people know <laughs> and it was like my first time ever playing like a melodic percussion instrument and so there was just so i was playing with it was like it was like mallets with like metal tips on the metal glockenspiel so it's just like ting, you know it's like a, it's really coming out <laughs> and so i had to like play that and when i'm in when i nailed that in front of a, you know a crowd i was like holy crap this is like 
the most insane. The adrenaline rush of it's, waiting 20 minutes to it's hit like, the metal piece yeah, once. <laughs> yeah, it's almost more more insane than metal to like to to like to like to not fuck up a like an insanely like simple piercing part. It's like it's crazy. If you if you get if you get if you get the right part, it's like more intense. Like you're like my joy is not actually shredding it during the solos. My joy is waiting 30 minutes to hit the little metal piece yeah. perfectly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that's why the percussion they always say the percussionists are the most well paid because of that. Because of the timing, yeah, and like in orchestras, or like that was sort of what I heard was that, um, yeah, like percussionists are the most, most well paid because they're they're they have to wait the longest and they have to be on point every time they hit. Yeah, that's that's very true. I always think about like marching bands and like how impressive it is that they're all in sync and playing that fast. You that's know? something that I've never done. Is like, I feel like I kind of want to do that and get mm. into that as like the marching drumming style. Yeah, there's crazy chops dudes on YouTube that mm-hmm. you can find that are like just insane chops that are like flipping the sticks and yeah. like just doing crazy, like almost like acrobatic stuff. I almost had a dude on here that does that. And, yeah. but then he was like, he hit me up. He's like, you do cool stuff. I do cool stuff too. I was like, cool, let's work out a day. And then he just like ghosted me. And I was like, yeah, he, he had to go, he had to go do some drumming. Yeah. I was like, what do you, what do you want, dude? Like, <laughs> do you want to be on the podcast or not? Like, I love I'll that. have you. Let's link and build. Uh, bye. <laughs> it's like you don't you don't actually have to do anything. You just got to show up here. It takes ninety minutes, and you fucking leave, and yeah. it's done. <laughs> oh god, yo, it's all good. It's it's all good. So make the time. So uh, of your of your projects, like what what do what do you consider? Like when do you consider a band or a project like a serious project? Like when does it feel like it starts getting real? I well, when we have a deadline, I guess. When yeah. We, when we're working towards something, I. I like, I kind of flip it on for every band. I I do I like you know I I care about like preparing for stuff and like staying on top of things. You know I feel like I'm in sort of serious mode with everything. Like, yeah, I, I'm like we're working on an album in Vomit Fist. We're working on an album in Chased. Uh, we're working towards shows and touring with Liturgy. Um, you know, working towards shows and. You know, Ko dot has stuff coming out. We're yeah. all everything is like every, something going. Yeah, like I think when when a band stagnates is when you're just not a band. Like y- you right. got to be serious about a band in order for it to survive. You know, mm-hmm. like it, it's like you know everybody has to be on board. Like it's like making a movie. Like if you're if you're like if you're not serious about making a movie, the movie's gonna not happen. Right. Cause you're like, you're going to take the day off or you're like, whatever, whatever. Like you have to be serious about projects that involve lots of people. Yeah. Or else they don't happen mm-hmm. or they suck. Have you had projects fall through because of that? Not really. Um, things have sort of had to change based on people's availabilities. Right. Um, but like never, completely fallen through like mm. like um, that's good that sounds like a good good streak then <laughs> yeah 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 like i i feel like i've sort of fallen a streak or an ethic of like not canceling shows really unless you super have to or yeah. like um yeah i mean like with my more personal projects i feel like things are a little bit more loose i take things more seriously if i'm doing it for someone else right robot um, mode yeah robot mode is like yeah i'm i'm i am going to be serious about this um so yeah do you have uh of the all the live performances you ha- you've had in all of your projects? Do you have a greatest hits? Do you have like a best live performance that stands out in your mind? Um, 
Yeah, I I really loved playing in Seattle with uh both Kodot and Liturgy. The, that that venue was really good. Um I'm going to have to think about that. I I feel like playing in Seattle was really 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 great mm-hmm. just both times. Um Yeah, definitely. Would you have a worst live show? It stands out in your mind. Oh God! Oh God! Uh, it's always <laughs> when some. It's like always when there's like a curveball thrown at me, or like when something goes wrong. So <laughs> I have two. There's one that like I was playing with my other band, but like my. I guess I was in like a lot of bands for a long time. Um, there was this band I was in, and we just were sort of still a thing. Uh, Adela and the Ucars, sort okay. of like an ex- experimental. It's sort of what Chased was before it was Chased, kind of but we had like a saxophone player. Um, we played a, a show at the Yippie Cafe and okay. uh, randomly out of nowhere, um, it was like, okay, Leo, you're doing metal vocals. I'm going to play drums and we're going to play uh, Wild Thing. And so I had to perform Wild Thing like with metal vocals in this like, uh, it was just, it, it sounded, it made me, I was just like, I've had to take a shower after that. I was like, <laughs> I just felt, it was just so bad. Um, in a in like a not a good way, and I was just like, Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. um. So that's sort of a memory that sticks out. And 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 uh and another sort of rough one was playing. I think it was in Canada. Played a m- movie theater with Kodot, and I, I I screwed up the sample. Okay. I screwed up the sample and played the entire song with like the wrong timing the whole time. <laughs> oh no! Like, it was like it was like being in a battlefield or something. I was like. I don't know. It's, it felt like literally like I was in uh, World War One, like running from one trench to another with like <laughs> machine gun fire and snipers shooting at me and me just being like just struggling to survive and just like, ah, like just trying to just get to the next track. Yeah. Getting like caught in barbed wire. Yeah. Just got to get to the next one. It was just like, oh, that was rough. So, yeah, when things go wrong and when when like things when curveballs are, are, you know. Im- improperly administered i think that yeah that's sort of the um that's sort of when shows get get bad for me i'm just like oh god that's what makes me feel bad but um yeah technology is definitely the biggest hindrance to like having a good show experience is like when mm-hmm. you when you don't have good monitor when your sound guy doesn't give you good monitor feeds or like if your click track gets off or like whatever if something goes wrong with that it's always like just such a bummer yeah i can imagine i had uh one time i saw I've never seen like a metal band fuck up on stage, but I went and saw Young Thug in 2016 and he fucked up twice in the same set. Uh, first, he came out wearing way too many clothes for how hot it was. <laughs> so after three tracks, he had to go to the back and change and it took him like 10 or 12 minutes. Oh, was, my God. It was really long. <laughs> and then, of course, the fashionista. I know. And then uh, later in his set, he like it was so engineered and he was just like rapping some of the verses uh no choruses and um he it was just like not a good performance and then on top of that the whole all the music was coming from one dude on the stage with a macbook oh yeah and something went wrong and the music just stopped playing and the guy was like oh i'm sorry y'all that that's my bad that's my bad i'm gonna fix it right now five minutes of silence and (laughs) yo yeah and also, um, uh, Denver would have a pattern of um, musicians coming there from out of state, buying as much weed as they could imagine, yeah. and getting way too high before performing, and then... That'll do it. That'll yeah. freaking do it. <laughs> oh my god. Classic. 
so we're down to our last like 10 minutes here. Mm-hmm. And this is a question that I ask everybody at the end of this show. Okay. So in your in your musical journey, do you have a uh, a theme or a message that you stick to? Not necessarily in like your work, but something that you stick to within yourself to keep going and keep pushing. Like when you wake up in the morning about to do uh drumming for a whole day, robot mode, human mode, mm-hmm. <laughs> what goes through your mind? Man, okay, like a mantra of some kind or like uh... Yeah, or something that you think about or Mm, well that's great. I love that. Um well, I feel like I I I feel like um making my life make sense has sort of uh been the kind of thing that's been going through my mind a lot. Yeah. Um but but it also kind of like and it and it kind of yeah, making making it make sense because because I feel like um throughout my life I've always loved metal music and I've always loved drumming and I've I've just had that as a part of my life the whole time and I almost have you know I have an explanation for like so like I sort of have an explanation for why I'm like this you know mm. like parents nurtured me like this or like whatever but then it's also like I'm also autonomous right so I need to figure out how to how to exist <laughs> properly like all the oh, time I get it. you know i'm like i'm like okay all right so what the fuck am i doing right and right. so like yeah that's kind of how i go on about my my life is like i'm i am this mm. and so i'm making it make sense and i'm, I'm you know i want to be as good as i am in the ways that i just naturally am and so I think yeah that's sort of how i go on about it is like i want to improve in in the ways that I've always been trying to improve, I want to like expand whatever you know. Um, and it's 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 more about uh, like kind of growing out from the core, and and uh, you know ha- preserving the core. And and so I feel like that's kind of where I'm at. Is like I'm I'm like a core with tentacles, and and like I'm I'm making it all make make sense because you know um yeah I mean it's sort of how I think about my job and and my my musical practice and and everything like that as long as everything sort of feels related then yeah. i feel like i have like a good grasp on it you know on my yeah. on my life and that like things kind of make sense mm. i i don't think i said what my day job is and it doesn't show. matter oh it doesn't matter what my day job is yeah. okay no <laughs> oh, great that's good but like anyway yeah it's like audio related so okay. i'm like yeah do audio related stuff music stuff like it's all Co- it's all coale- coalesces or con- it's all the same yeah know? so if I, I as long as i'm living the way that i feel like i am then it makes sense it wouldn't make sense if i was like w- like working for i don't know like uh, like a fashion uh like magazine in a office yeah, yeah like it just i mean that you know like people do that people make yeah. like com- drastic changes in their lives and like give up their you know whatever they would have been doing you know i you know like i used to you know i'm gonna create this like fake person but like (laughs) i you know i used to love yeah like i used to love gi joe and now i'm now i put them away and now i'm just like a guy in a suit you know i don't know that kind of shit no i get you i i feel like i'm the opposite like i'm like uh 
I'm trying to make sense out of I, who I am, but me making sense of who I am is not relating all of my external things. Yeah. It's just accepting the external things that I like and just going for them for whatever I want, yeah. like however hard I want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, that's totally, that's totally great. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. I, I think, I think uh, creating synergy in my yeah. life kind of like, kind of, kind of works, uh, works well because like um that then if i'm you know if i'm like kind of well versed in audio engineering then i then when my drums are being recorded by an audio engineer i'll be able to like right explain right. what i actually kind of want to hear or you know so stuff like that kind of like kind of, I, i'm trying to make it make sense okay if i'm explaining myself to i you know i'll be explaining myself to like a businessman mm-hmm. like someone's dad and in order to feel like I have, you know, I don't know why, but like, I feel like sort of need to like, you know, get them to respect you because mm-hmm. they're like, they're like a standard person, right? Yeah. Businessman works for like, a, I don't know, some bank or something. And you're like, yeah, so I'm a musician and I'm a guy, I'm just like a young guy and I'm a musician. And they're like, <laughs> kid, good luck with your life, you know, like, yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. So if you're like, yeah, I'm a musician, I also do, uh, you know, like all this other stuff that kind of all makes sense around mm. it, then I feel like there's sort of like, I'm a, you know, a whole person and they're there, then they're actually like interested, like, oh, well, you know, what kind of music do you like or whatever. Gotcha. It's like a whole package deal instead yeah. of like, this is like something I have. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. And it's also, you know, it's like the hobby versus actually like being serious about stuff kind of thing. Right. Too. Right. You know. Yeah, that makes sense. That's yeah. a good way to put it. I have my hobby. I play Warhammer 40k. <laughs> That's my hobby. <laughs> totally unrelated to music. Actually, kind of still because bolt thrower. And yeah. All. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying, man. Yeah. It's like I, I totally get it though, because like I I am in a position where my day job is nothing like any of my hobbies or my comedy or anything. So everything I do is like a branch on itself that yeah. it does not touch the other branches. Oh yeah. And it's weird. It's not it's not good for my brain sometimes. I mean maybe it maybe it can be good. Like I don't know. I don't know what it's I mean like I'm trying to like honestly in my comedy, I'm like I'm I'm like okay, I want to be the same off stage as I am on stage and bring the same energy to both. And someone, I, I just met this comic recently. He saw me at a mic. I didn't meet him there, though. And he goes, he was like, oh, I saw you last week, dude. Your jokes are like super nerdcore. And I was like, <laughs> nerdcore. I was oh, like, no. I was like, like, what do you mean? He's like, oh, you, you have that joke about Gundam and Naruto and stuff. And I was like, oh, like the one anime joke I have. But also I'm like, maybe I should just because I have all these nerdy interests. I should just lean into this more yeah. in my comedy because like. I used to have a joke about metal, mm-hmm. and the the whole joke. This is when I first started, so this is not a good joke by any means. But what I would do is I get up there on stage and be like, you know, I'm a big metalhead. I fucking love metal. Any any other metalheads out there? And people would cheer, mm-hmm. and I'd be like, oh, here's my guess. What my here's my favorite thing about metal, okay? And I'd be like, hey, what's your favorite band? So I'd be like, you know, just whatever, Metallica. And I'd mm-hmm. be like, that band sucks. <laughs> and I'd be like, what's your favorite band? Like Lamb of God. I'm like, oh, that band sucks. Yeah, and nice. Like, nice. Just do it to every single person, and it's like, <laughs> dude, that's. It. like metal it the the best part about it is saying you're better than everybody else yeah like, totally but that that is like such like once again because the metal community is so slim sometimes it's like hard to hard to hit the nail on the head yeah. i had i have a joke where i i fell asleep at the wheel like in 2018 mm-hmm. and i was it's like in the morning my way to work fell asleep at the wheel totaled my car 
and I was listening yeah. to Lana Del Rey when it happened. <laughs> so perfect. That's honestly perfect. Yeah, and like the the joke is is like the Lana Del Rey is playing for my car after I crawl out of the wreckage. Yeah, and I crawled back in to turn it off before the cops got there. And like I was like, and like the whole like I do this end bit where I'm like, yeah, like it's crazy because like I know it's like some internalized misogyny because or some toxic masculinity because if it was a different morning and I was in a different mood and I was listening to Cannibal Corpse, I would have left it on. Yeah, you know? I would have left it on. <laughs> you don't want the cops to know you were listening to Lana Del Rey. So like, so and then I would do this. The end bit of that would just be like, it's me shouting uh, Lana Del Rey like lyrics, but in a Cannibal Corpse style, oh, where I'm sick. like, my pussy tastes like blood yeah. <laughs> or something, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And that tell you what did not land on most people because uh, like most people don't even know what Cannibal Corpse is. Right, and right. It's, it's like ah, ah, it's too bad. We got him. <laughs> yeah, we need we need more metal comedy out there. That's that's a rare gem. That's yeah, awesome. dude, you you. You gotta, you gotta meet Gene Meyer, the guy, the guy from Bandit that I was telling you about. Oh yeah, <laughs> he definitely does some metal comedy. It's really good. Oh, excellent! <laughs> I gotta check him out. Awesome. All right, well, we're kind of at the end of the show here, um, and I want to say thank you so much for coming on. This is a lot of fun. Thanks for having me, man. Do you have a place where people can find you? Yeah, um, I guess find me on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is filthy underscore water. That's my personal Instagram. If you really want to find me, um, but yeah, uh, like most of my uh band's material and stuff is on uh Bandcamp, Vomit Fist Bandcamp, Chased NYC Bandcamp. Chase has a uh Instagram as well, Chased NYC. How do you spell that? Um C H A S T E. Okay. Like chastity. Okay. <laughs> nice. Um, I run a show called Two Virgins. Yeah. Oh nice. <laughs> oh excellent. Yeah, so it's all about that. Yeah, you can find us on on all that stuff, Bandcamp and whatnot. Um but yeah, I plugged like all of my bands nice. during this show. Yeah, so. so go back, listen to the beginning of the episode, and uh, <laughs> go look up all those bands. Exactly. <laughs> Just look them up. Look them up on YouTube. All right, guys. Yeah, check it out. Uh, thanks again for coming on. This is great. Yeah, no um, guys, go listen to Leo's music. Go listen to him slamming on those drums uh, and going crazy with his improv. Um, <laughs> thank you guys for tuning in. I will talk to you all next week. Uh, listen to another episode. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Thank you.